0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Entrepreneur Product Sourcing and eBiz Show, brought to you by WorldwideBrands.com. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Colette Marshall, WorldwideBrands.com Director of Marketing. Finding legitimate overseas suppliers is a genuine concern for retailers looking to import inventory, and international trade fairs provide an incredible opportunity to do just that. Today we're talking to Peter Zapp, Vice President of Community Development for GlobalSources.com and ChinaSourcingFairs.com, about how retailers can effectively prepare to attend a trade fair as well as what to expect when they arrive and how to make the most of their sourcing experience. Welcome, Peter, to the show. It's wonderful to have you on again.
1: Uh, thank you. I'm pleased to be able to be on.
0: Well, I must say, China is the talk of the town, especially with the Olympics.
1: And haven't they been exciting?
0: They have done an incredible job with the Olympics. Um Wish we could have it again in China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure uh, London will do a great job too the next time round.
1: Well, China certainly set a high bar for everybody to follow.
0: Oh, uh, well they always do, definitely and, and trade fairs is one of those as well. So now I understand there are some great trade shows featuring thousands of manufacturers and suppliers and their products. Can you, you know start out by telling us a little bit about these and how they're a good way to find manufacturers and suppliers?
1: Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of trade shows that uh, importers attend regularly. And the, uh, the importers that attend them include everybody from the big-name, big-box retailers all the way down to eBay power sellers. So there's something for everybody there. Peak trade show season, because there's a lot of trade show organizers, Uh, But the season for peak trade shows tends to be in October and April every year. And uh, there's multiple shows, but each individual show tends to focus on specific product areas. Uh, There's some electronics shows, some gift and home product shows. Uh, And for really popular products, there may be several shows around the same date. So some folks may come over to China and Hong Kong uh, for a couple weeks and visit several different shows to see uh, all the different suppliers.
0: Yeah, and you make a great point. It really what it sounds like is it's very similar if you already go to trade shows to the same kind of process. It's just, you know, in a different country. That's the only difference. <laughs>
1: that that's right. Different country. Uh you'll see more Chinese people. The English uh will be good, but not the American English <laughs> you're <assume.
0: laughs> <laughs> So what can what else can we expect to find when we're visiting the trade shows there?
1: To me, you know, every time I walk into a show, it's amazing. I look around and say, wow, there's not just enough product here to fill up a store, there's enough product here to fill up an entire mall. I mean, you've got manufacturers and suppliers who've set up booths to display all of their products and multiple football fields worth of these uh, manufacturers and suppliers. Like you said, similar to the larger U.S. trade shows. Now, the advantages as a visitor, uh, compared to other methods of sourcing, that you can touch and feel the products, and talk to the supplier and ask the supplier all of the questions that you have. And then you can go on to the next booth and do the same thing because there's a lot of suppliers that uh, have similar types of products, whether it be DVD players or MP3 players or handbags. Um, So there's a wide range of choice.
0: Definitely not a lack of choice, that's for sure. So, okay, so you visit a show and you're talking to the suppliers. What are some of the kinds of questions that you should be asking these suppliers? I mean, this is an international community here. Are, Are there any particular questions you should be asking?
1: There's always the typical questions that you're going to ask. You're going to ask about price. You're going to ask about um, minimum order quantities. uh, But some of the ones that might be a little bit more specific or peculiar to an international purchase, uh, payment terms, common might be 30% up front, 70% when the product ships. You definitely want to ask about lead times. Most of these manufacturers do not have product in stock. They make to order. So as a result, the lead times will be longer. And that's just the manufacturing lead time. On top of that, you have the uh, shipping time. Uh, You'll definitely want to check packaging requirements. If you're in the U.S. and you're going to a U.S. show, the products have already been packaged for the U.S. market. Here, you're going to have to explain what your specific requirements are and see whether or not the supplier can meet them. That
0: would would include labeling for the product as well, right? I mean, if if a product's going with a manual, it's in English, the English should be in American English versus Australian or UK English.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you might even want to check, has the uh, manufacturer um, exported to your country previously? Uh, And if they have, they'll be further along the path of knowing things like um, the packaging requirements in the American English versus the Australian English. Another big one is certification and regulatory approvals. You know, every country has different requirements. So you'll need to know your country's requirements and and check if the manufacturer is aware of them um and meet them and include those requirements in your purchase order when you get there.
0: And I would I would also say they need to be very specific if you know if you're a US retailer for example but you're selling to the Canadian market or you're selling to the Australian market you know that makes a big difference as well you need to be very specific wouldn't you say
1: Absolutely uh, and the more specific you are uh, as you go through the process the less likelihood there is for confusion In my view, ambiguity leads to differences of opinion, and differences of opinion can lead to hard feelings or a a bad business outcome. So being as specific as possible throughout the process is great. One other question that a lot of folks check or ask is they're interested in knowing if the company they're talking to is the manufacturer um, or a trading company. And each has advantages and disadvantages. Trading companies can provide a lot of services to uh, help the process. And sometimes it's confusing because sometimes a company may manufacture some of the products and act as a trading company for other products that they're displaying. One rule of thumb that people use is they look at the product range that's being displayed. And if you have, like, silk pantyhose next to MP3 players, you're probably talking to a trading company. If you have all different types of MP3 players, you're more likely to be talking to a manufacturer.
0: Now, do people place orders right there when they first meet the supplier?
1: Yeah, now that varies quite a bit from buyer to buyer. So there's some buyers who've been coming over for many years. Uh, they have regular suppliers they deal with. And those buyers, they take the show as an opportunity to go visit the suppliers they know, and sit down with them on the show floor, and place an order right there. Uh, they've got the established relationships, They trust uh, the suppliers. They know what the suppliers are capable of. So I've talked to buyers that come to the show with, uh, with a pretty big budget, say a million or two million dollars. Uh, they place the. They use show season, so they'll use October to place all the orders they need uh, to fill up their store. And I've talked to a buyer who's been doing this for years, and he hasn't had any bad experiences. Uh, so the interesting thing is I suspect he's really good at identifying which suppliers have the good export capabilities and are likely to meet his needs.
0: But now what about the small business owner who just doesn't have the million dollars to place that order right at the beginning? I mean, can they still... Purchase at a smaller quantities, but yet still get a lot of great product uh, import wise?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what the uh, what the smaller and newer buyers tend to do at the show is they use it as an opportunity to shortlist suppliers and then start the process of building that relationship that the other buyers may already have. They may start by gathering information about the suppliers and then after the show following up to request uh, samples from some of the suppliers they talk to and then uh, shortlisting those suppliers further and starting with small orders. So getting to know the supplier, getting to know the process, and building the relationship with that supplier, but in a low-risk way. And for (laughs) new buyers, that's a good approach.
0: With new buyers um, who are on the small business level who are going over for the first time, is there any kind of recommended budget level that they should should come with if they do want to buy when they're there since they're there touching and feeling the products and talking to people right there?
1: Yeah, wow. You know, that varies so much from product to product and manufacturer to manufacturer. Uh, definitely worth going in and asking each manufacturer what their minimum order quantity is. And, you know, it's not dissimilar to working in the States. If you try to go to, say, um, Hasbro and say, hey, I want to buy directly from you and I want to buy 50 pieces, Hasbro is going to say, we don't deal with 50-piece orders. Each manufacturer is different. Each has different minimum order quantities based on their production run or based on uh, whether the factory is already full or not. Uh, so need to go in and, and ask uh, each individual uh, supplier. But if you just want to buy 10 pieces, that's a sample order. Uh, 50 pieces may be a very large sample order. Uh, depending on the product, 100, 500, sometimes a 1,000 pieces uh, might be the minimum order quantity that a manufacturer is looking for. But it varies quite a bit from product to product.
0: But that's a great point to keep in mind to prepare yourself for the trade show. Now, China products are have been and are periodically in the press about quality. It's a, you know when you hear China products, it's one of the first things that you think about is quality. How do buyers ensure they're getting the quality that they require?
1: Yeah, this is always an interesting topic to me, and I find that it tends to get uh, very politicized. Uh, but kind of taking the politics aside, my my views as follow is as follows. I mean, first try to put yourself in the shoes of the supplier. Uh, the supplier is dealing with buyers from. Many, many, many countries, right? There's over 200 countries in the world. And every country has its own requirements, whether they're legal requirements or the level of quality that, the, uh, that that market requires. And the U.S., interestingly, it's kind of in the middle to upper middle in terms of quality it's looking for. Japan is probably the highest. Europe is probably a little bit higher than the U.S. Uh, Africa and Latin America may have uh, slightly lower um, quality requirements. So the manufacturer, he doesn't really know the requirements. He may not know the requirements of each specific market. He's relying on uh, the buyer uh, to share with him those product requirements. Now, the other key point is that pretty much in every country, including the U.S., the, the importer of record is the one that's legally responsible to ensure that the products uh, meet uh, that country's legal requirements. Any local regulations or anything like that. Uh, so between those two, it's critical for the buyer to share his requirements, whether they're product requirements or legal requirements required for his market. Spell them out up front, and then check after the production process uh, during QC to make sure that those requirements were met.
0: Because he is the one who's, or he or she <laughs> is right. the one who is the one responsible for that quality. Not so much the supplier, but at the end, quality to the customer. That's who's responsible for it.
1: That's right. And, you know, it's kind of like, in a way, it's kind of like hiring a plumber. Um, You're going to hire him to do a job, and you're going to check that the job's done well when the job's done. Um, Same thing in the quality control process. You want to have some mechanism of uh, checking.
0: So how do people do this quality control?
1: Yeah, so there's, you know, the, the great thing about trade shows is it's an opportunity to kind of do that first step. You get the touch, feel, and see the product. But in terms of doing the quality control itself, there's really three options. Um, first is uh, trust the supplier and don't do any quality control. Uh, this, is, this, this can be okay for small sample orders where the uh, overhead cost of doing the quality control may be too high. Uh, but when you get to larger orders, you really have two other choices. Uh, one is uh, do your own quality control. So either you hire your own people for your own company or you hire or you have somebody from your company fly over and do the quality control. Probably a little bit more common would be to hire a third-party quality control company. There's plenty of them. And they'll then go do the quality control on your behalf, checking the product. But you're going to have to work with them very closely to tell them what to check for. So you have to be clear about what you want them to check.
0: Uh, communication is a big thing, especially when you're dealing with international suppliers. The more you communicate, the better the relationship. <laughs>
1: That's right. And it's not just with the supplier. In this case, it's also with the quality control company you're working with.
0: Now, this sounds great, but flying to China is a major trip and quite a commitment. I mean, how long is the flight to China?
1: From Newark the direct flight is 18 hours.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for those who are not too fearful of being on a plane for 18 hours, how difficult is it really, and how should one prepare effectively?
1: Yeah, the, so the interesting thing is that, I mean, the biggest shows are in Hong Kong and China. Um, now, like you said, there's a long flight. You definitely have to be aware of that. Uh, the, the good thing about Hong Kong is with its past British influence, uh, Hong Kong's still very bilingual. Everybody speaks English. Uh, Signs, menus, and everything else are in English, too. So Hong Kong is uh, very uh, very easy to get around, and a fair number of the U.S. carriers uh, offer flights to Hong Kong. And Cathay, Hong Kong's national carrier, is also very good. Now, going into mainland China is a bit more of a challenge. Uh, Not as much uh, English spoken there. Everything is in Chinese. You're not going to see a lot of um, English signs. Uh, When you go to restaurants, you might be looking for the ones that have picture menus. So for China, you need to do a little bit more planning ahead of time, including getting a visa. Uh, which you don't need for Hong Kong. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Um,
0: and now is that visa-wise for the United States or uh, yeah. for most I'm, countries?
1: I was talking uh, specifically about the U.S. I carry U.S. passports. So that's what I'm most familiar with. But uh, <laughs> for China, uh, most countries you do require a visa. And for Hong Kong, it varies from country to country.
0: But well, that's important to double-check, you know, depending on what your situation, you always want to make sure you've got the appropriate travel documentation so that you don't get there and then not able to get into the country. So uh, what are some of the main shows that people visit in China?
1: Yeah, so there's several shows. Uh, in uh, mainland China, in Guangzhou, there's the Canton Fair. That's been running for about 50 years. It's about a two-hour train ride from Hong Kong, so you'll probably fly into Hong Kong to get there. And it's a very large show, and it's been going on for many years. Um, it does attract a wide mix of suppliers, um, so that includes large, large suppliers with export experience, and and smaller, medium-sized suppliers that have worked more in the domestic market. Uh, because it's in China, it's a little bit more of an adventure uh, to get there, and some of the buyers may not have worked with overseas. I'm uh, some, sorry, some of the suppliers may not have worked with overseas buyers as much. But since you're going to be probably flying into Hong Kong anyway, or you may make Hong Kong just your only destination. Uh, There's a a couple of large organizers in Hong Kong as well, and that includes the Hong Kong Trade Development Council and then also uh, Global Sources with its China Sourcing Fairs. Now, being in Hong Kong, uh, these shows tend to attract a mix of suppliers that have more export experience. The China Sourcing Fair tends to attract established but younger suppliers that often have uh, fresh product ranges, and it's located about one minute. Uh, from the airport, so very easy to get to.
0: Definitely. So now that's a good place to really, if you're looking for some niche products and different different, fresh new ideas, that would be a good one to go to.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. And uh, and the it's, like, I, like I said earlier, the exciting thing is when you walk in, you're like, I, I didn't know there was this large a variety of pick-your-product, MP3 players, uh, handbags, solar-powered toys uh, available in the market. It's just fascinating to me.
0: Now, what else should people keep in mind when they're attending the shows?
1: The shows, um, they are like a mini United Nations. So there's people from every country. And the, there's that huge assortment of products. So a lot of times, in at least in the U.S., the big box retailers, uh, they've moved to a strategy where they have uh, one or two uh, choices for each type of product. And to me, that's disappointing because I know there's so much more choice out there. Uh, and uh, the the choices are so wide range that sometimes you take a look and say, "Wow, look at all these innovative products uh, that aren't available in my market." So it's a great opportunity to see some new and innovative products. Um, but when doing that, you got to plan ahead. You know, it's kind of like going into a candy store. There's so much available that if you don't know what you want, um, you're gonna, you you may not get what you're looking for. Um, also, just logistically, uh, the airlines and hotels do get uh, booked early. So you want to get your airline and hotel bookings because the city uh, does fill up in Hong Kong. And then uh, also make sure to visit the show that has the product you're interested in, uh, whether it's a gift and home product show, an electronics show, a baby and children's wear show, uh, because most of the shows are product-specific. And uh, if you visit one that doesn't cover the products you're interested in, you visited the wrong one.
0: Now, the shows themselves free to attend?
1: Uh, Yeah, for buyers, the shows uh, tend to be uh, free to attend. Usually you have to show a business card uh, to show that you're, you know, representing a a real business, uh, but the show itself, uh, no cost to attend.
0: Well, thank you so much, Peter. That is our time for today with Peter Zaff of GlobalSources.com and com. You can find out a lot more information about trade shows at those two websites. Let me repeat them again in case you didn't catch it the first time. It's GlobalSources.com and com We also have more information at worldwidebrands.com about these trade shows in China and other trade shows around the United States. So, Peter, thanks so much for being here. It was a pleasure to have you on the show again.
1: Oh, and Colette, it was my pleasure to join as well. Thank you.
0: Join us again next time, and thanks for listening. I'm Colette Marshall. Today's Entrepreneur Product Sourcing and eBiz show has been brought to you by worldwidebrands.com and entrepreneur.com.
1: Join us again next week for more free
0: eBiz education with the internet's leading product sourcing experts.